This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is one-on-one's NFL Friday. The weeks are flying by here for NFL Friday. It's already week four of the 2019 season. I'm your host, Charlie Misano, alongside Emmanuel Barbari, Artemis Agaris, and John DeBarrow back with us this year to start doing some fantasy advice. We'll start with E-Man. What's going on? Going well. Already week four. It's crazy. The season's already flying by. October's already next week. October next week. Crazy. It's just flying by. It's motoring by the season. Yeah, it's crazy that we already got to the first bye week of the NFL as well, and it's so early. Oh, we're going to get into one particular team that's on a bye this week. But before we hit on the Jets and Giants, like we always do, we got to start with last night's Thursday night football game, Eagles and Packers. Eagles eked out a win 34-27 at Lambeau Field. So that was a very impressive win for Carson Wentz and the Philly gang. Carson Wentz, 16 of 27 passing. Only 160 yards, but three touchdowns. Jordan Howard had a, a like a game of, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. Two touchdowns on the, on the ground, and then he also caught a touchdown. He had a really good game for the Eagles, and the Eagles back at 500, 2-2. Two and two, They're definitely going to make some noise in the NFC East with the Cowboys. Especially considering that Alshon Jeffrey came back, made an immediate impact. It's pretty crazy to believe how explosive the Packers were offensively, and and they weren't able to eke out that win. And multiple chances late that were kind of just wasted, marching down the field twice. Two shots at the end zone to tie the game, weren't able to do so. That's an uplifting win for Philly when you consider they were struggling, and now they kind of have new life in a season where maybe you thought the Cowboys were just going to run away with this division. Now they beat a 3-0 and Packers team, and they kind of have a clean slate. Yeah, definitely, and especially near the end of the game. I mean, I really thought it was going to go into overtime because the score just kept on tying, but uh, obviously it did not go that far, and the Eagles were just able to pull out an, such an impressive win. Uh, before we talk about that goal line stand uh, where Rodgers threw that pick, we got to go to the, the, the possession that the Packers had before that. They were first in goal on the one-yard line, and they threw the ball all four times, didn't even elect to run the ball once. I mean, questionable play calling there by head coach Matt LaFleur. Clearly, uh, uh, everyone, I, I was watching the game with my friends yesterday, we all expected them at least run the ball once or twice in first and second down, but he elects to do some tricky plays um, and then obviously throws to Jimmy Graham on fourth down, and he wasn't able to haul in that catch. But really, Matt LaFleur has some uh, late-game questionable calls, to say the I least. Mean, uh, you're one yard out. Like, do punch something. It punch it in, sneak. I know you have Aaron Rodgers, but the fact that he's throwing 53 times in a game, it gets redundant at a point, and they blew it at that point. They blew it on the ensuing possession. They had to punch in one of those two, and you're going to throw it four times first and goal at the one. It, at some point, first down, second down, you got to at least get one run on the books and give yourself a, a, a flying chance to just get the ball into the end zone. So that was very perplexing what, what transpired. I don't know Jamal Jamal uh, Williams, he got hurt, severely hurt in like the first quarter of the game. But you have a guy named Aaron Jones who can really pound the rock. I know Philly's defense was giving him troubles all night, only 13 uh, carries for 21 yards. He did score one touchdown. But overall, if you got a back like Aaron Jones, you're on the one yard line. Just try and punch it in and get through that get through that wall that the Phillies defense, the Philadelphia Eagles defense has. And then again, if you have if you're on third and fourth down, then you can elect to throw the ball. But at least try to run. But if you deviate a little bit 
Artemis and you run the ball once, then at least sets up something tricky. You can do a play action off that, and the defense will be completely deceived. You'll have someone wide open. 13 for 21, that's one and a half yards of rush. All you needed is one yard. Yeah, you're on the one-yard line. You don't want to do anything fancy. Nobody wants anything fancy. Try to run it in at least once. I mean, they, they have good players. They have players that could carry it in for them. There was no need to throw it at all, in my opinion. And if you are going to throw it, do it once or twice. It's just not necessary all four times. And then again on the goal line stop where Rodgers threw the pick again. He, he, threw, he was throwing the ball in a position where he probably shouldn't have been throwing the ball. They were again on, the I think, the one or the two-yard line. And they throw a pass. It was very, very similar Patsy to, the Ma- <laughs> to the Malcolm Butler pick. It was tipped off of um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling's hands. And it went right into the hands of the Eagles defender. Again, why are you not running the ball there? It just makes no sense. Uh, like, it's not only the notion of passing the ball four times. The play calling was very tricky as well. They had three timeouts. <laughs> they run the ball and don't get in. You immediately call timeout. You're not setting yourself up to succeed with those play calls. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. They definitely could have called timeout they definitely could have run the ball at least once and they just it was just very bad play calling now for the nfc north the packers are three and one um clearly have a a very good stronghold in that division Uh, i think at least the way that they've been playing but you got the the vikings who are still who are two and one after beating oakland last week detroit undefeated technically two oh and one after tying with (laughs) arizona week one and then chicago is only uh is i think one two and one as well but um, they dismantled the Redskins on Monday Night Football. So all those teams look to be very, very competitive in that division. But I think the way that the Packers have been playing, the way their defense was was um, recorded all offseason by, the, by their general manager, I feel like Green Bay should have the easy, easy way to get to that division title. Um, they just have to co- come out and win games like this, like last night. They should have won last night. They do, and when you look back at the end of the season, there's a game that they easily could have won. Based on how they played, they probably should have won, and they weren't able to win. So that's going to be a tight division. You mentioned how well-balanced it is. You have teams that have various positive aspects, whether it's the Bears with their defense, the Packers offensively explosive, and, and a lot of teams are probably going to hang in this division. If you can get any sort of separation early in the season, only benefits you if you're Green Bay, and they weren't able to do that last night. And when you think about it, you got a team in Aaron Ro- um, a team of Green Bay who has Aaron Rodgers. Minnesota has Kirk Cousins, who proved last year that he's not capable of being in the big moments. Mitchell Drabisky has been terrible the first three weeks of the season. I mean, last week he had a pretty good game, but still not not something to be proud of in terms of his production. And uh, the Lions, the Lions are the Lions. They're always gonna falter or. <laughs> prove that they're they're not capable of winning the division. So Green Bay needs to come out next week and get a W. And they can. Even even with the way they played last night, they showed a lot of potential and they could still very much come back and win this division. Um, they just need to make some better decisions late in the game. And now I want to f- uh, shift our focus, focus excuse me, onto the Philadelphia Eagles. Like I said, they're 2-2 two and two now in the division. The Cowboys, 3-0, and they have a game on Sunday so they can easily go up to 4-0. Um, they're going to be going to New Orleans without Drew Brees. So could be an easy test for them. We'll see, depending on Teddy Bridgewater plays. But overall, the landscape of that division, Redskins not going anywhere, Giants potentially not going anywhere unless Daniel Jones plays, plays out of his mind. But again, I don't think they're going anywhere. So the Eagles really, really needed that win, and they came out. Carson Wentz played particularly well, and that defense, I think, um, played the best performance of the season. Yeah, and let's see if the Cowboys can win in New Orleans because all of a sudden the Eagles are right back in the thick of things if the Cowboys don't go 
to 4-0 this week. So that's a tough place to win. Granted, without Drew Brees, but still tough nonetheless. So this NFC East could turn a little bit in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I do think the Eagles could possibly you know, come back from where they are and maybe come back and win the division, especially with the way they played last night, even though their record isn't the best right now. With how they played, they could definitely turn this year around. And overall, another player that I want to talk about before we get into other national headlines throughout the league is Miles Sanders, product out of Penn State, who backed up Saquon Barkley before he got drafted by the Giants. He he finally turned the corner last night, 11 carries, 72 yards, proved that he's very elusive. He can go east-west and get a couple of couple of good yards. Um, I was very impressed with the way Miles Sanders played last night. I'm sure John will get to some of this in his fantasy hits, but Miles Sanders is a guy I was on the bubble of starting in my fantasy league this week, and I'm like, you know, I want a little bit more on this guy. I'm not sure if I trust him inserting him into the lineup. I had someone on a bye, and then I, I put him in. So yeah, I better go check back on that matchup and how see many how points, I'm doing. I was, how many points did he get? I'm going to double-check that, but uh, I'm, I'm sure John can make him a sleeper for week five maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm always a little um, hesitant on starting someone who maybe in other games didn't have as great games. But if he keeps producing, I think he would definitely he'll definitely be someone to look out for. So that'll put a bow on our Thursday night football talk. Excited for all the great games. And we'll go on later in the pick em segment and pick our winners that we think will happen throughout the uh, NFL on, on Sunday and Monday night. But before we go into our fantasy hit and talk Jets and Giants, just got to talk about the other, the biggest news in the NFL this week, which is um, Jaguars corner Jalen Ramsey officially questionable for the game on Sunday against Denver. He want, he's clearly stated he wants out of Jacksonville. He doesn't respect the organization anymore after they said they don't respect him anymore, is what he was saying. Um, but overall, comes in on Monday, says he has a back injury. Now he says he has the flu. And on top of that, um, he his his wife is giving birth to their second child. So that, I think, is a legitimate excuse. But the first two... If he's um, lying about the wife thing, that's a little messed no, up. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's definitely not a lie. But otherwise, I I've, I think I smell some foul play on the, in his part. I definitely don't think he's hurt. He's just trying to stay as far away as pop- possible from this team. And he's just telling them, look, I'm going to stay away if you don't trade me. And Jacksonville should just do the right thing and trade him. This is getting a little ridiculous. They should. And I'm not a huge fan of all these players just asking out of places like, what happened with Miami after week one? You won't even stick it out a couple weeks. These players who have got done a good nothing in the league, they, they, they very much did. But in a case like Jalen Ramsey, if you're going to demand something like this, let's let's quiet the nonsense. Why are you listing all these random reasons or excuses? I understand a couple of them could be legitimate. But if you want away from the team, just stand on that footing. It's getting a little tiresome when you – hear reason one, two, and three as to why he's not there when we all know the true overarching reason. Yeah, it's silly. Like, don't make excuses. Like like you just said, we all know the real the real reason. We know he wants out. He doesn't have to keep making these excuses. One team that I'm curious to see if they pull the trigger, which is they played last night, I think the Philadelphia Eagles should definitely go out and try and get a guy like Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Devontae Adams in the first half of that game before he got hurt late in the fourth quarter was torching them. Their secondary is putrid. They had another guy, unfortunately, go down last night, Maddox, who seemed to have a pretty serious uh, head injury. So they, they definitely need some help in that department. They definitely do. You saw a couple of those injuries last night. Opportunist, if you're the Eagles, you get a big win. Maybe you go get uh, a difference-making defensive player, and then you kind of propel yourselves. That's a glaring hole that they need to address. And clearly the Jaguars definitely want one first-round pick. If you're a team like the Eagles 
after where the, your secondary played last night, or I'm thinking maybe a Kansas City probably wouldn't do it. What if you're a team that is in desperate need of corners? Would you spend two first round picks no. on a guy like Jalen Ramsey? I don't think you can go two, but let's say they ask for a first round pick. I think you have to. It, are you a, That's a must. win now team as the Eagles? Like you're only a couple years removed from a Super Bowl. Like are you pretenders or are you contenders? If they decide, okay, look, we're high on the team right now. I'm assuming they want to win now. Why wouldn't you give up a first-round pick to shore up that side of the no ball? No brainer, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, I think two first-round picks is a little much, but one is a fair deal. I think that's totally doable, and I think that they should probably go ahead. Would and Would the make Jaguars that do that? One first-round one pick? first-round pick, or were they asking? Price I think to be they're higher? holding out for two. That's my opinion. That's why I don't think he's, he's been steep. traded yet. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to end up happening. We'll see. I'm, I personally think that a team will eventually cave come trade deadlines, trade deadline mm-hmm. time, and they'll want a guy like Jalen Ramsey, and they'll just throw two first-round picks of them, one this year and probably one in 2021. But, but we'll end up having to see what happens with that situation. He's probably not going to play on Sunday. Um, but before we get to a team that is playing on Sunday, the New York Giants, which we have to start off with based on their performance in Tampa Bay and the emergence of the quote-unquote savior Daniel Jones, let's hear our first fantasy hit with John DeBarrow. John? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. The Lions' balanced offense hasn't seen Matthew Stafford throw the ball as much as we're used to, but that doesn't mean he won't be busy this Sunday against the Chiefs. Kansas City's middling pass defense has already allowed 20-point performances from Gardner Minshew and Lamar Jackson. Whether Detroit is trailing early or the game is close throughout, I'd anticipate plenty of scoring, which bodes well for Stafford. Joe Mixon got back on track last week against a tough Bills defense with 95 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Mixon must be looking forward to facing a Pittsburgh run defense, allowing 128 rushing yards per game to opposing tailbacks, third worst in the league. With Mixon's carries increasing each week, look for him to get close to 20 touches and take full advantage of an appealing matchup. And if last Sunday's game is any indication, Sterling Shepard and Daniel Jones have already built a nice rapport. Shepard caught seven passes on nine targets and scored a touchdown against Tampa Bay. The Jones-Shepard connection should translate to fantasy success against a Washington defense that has allowed the most fantasy points to receivers in 2019. And those are some guys that should be in your lineups this week. John, I like that Joe Mixon pick because I have him in a bunch of my leagues. And he was very disappointing weeks one and two. I mean, obviously got hurt week one, but I didn't expect that week two performance. And then last week came out. Pretty well against the Bills. Yeah, Buffalo's run defense has shown that they're pretty tough this year. And trust me, I've been watching the Steelers every week. And I know if I was Joe Mixon, I'd be really looking forward to getting up against that Steelers run defense that just seems to fold over pretty quickly. So you could have him on Monday night, and he's a guy that can maybe pull out a matchup really late in the week. Now, is Joe Mixon like a high-end back in these leagues? Because I I drafted him second in my second overall – not overall pick, my second round. round. All right, good clarification. (laughs) I I just don't know – because I've had this guy before, and I feel like he's so up and down. Like, he can be explosive and give you 30 or 40 points in a week, and he will absolutely bust some of these weeks. So I feel like he's an intriguing case in fantasy. He was good last year. Um, like, this year I went McCaffrey, number three overall in one of my leagues, and then my second-round pick was Mixon, and then I went Kittle. McCaffrey was an asset for me last year. He he's, won me one of my leagues, he's, single-handedly. He's already off to a great start this year. I mean, week two was rough against, uh, I forgot who they played, Tampa Bay. But uh, overall, he's been he's I don't been have fantastic. him. Probably the reason why I'm like 1-2 in two of the leagues, 0-3 oh in one of them. It, it speaks for itself. 
No, I, I don't have him either. I have Saquon Barkley, who, um, Oof, you know, 11. is now out for a while. He he gave me a bunch of points uh, the first two weeks, and then last week I think I got eight points out of him before um, before he got hurt and is now out for a while. Going a little off track here, because this is your first time on the podcast this year, and know you're a huge Steelers fan before we go to the Giants and Jets segments. What was your take on the Antonio Brown situation? Oh, I'm always happy to talk about <laughs> Antonio Brown. I mean, it got really dark, like, really quickly. I think you hate to see what's been happening in these past couple of weeks. Obviously, it got much more serious after kind of months of some of the more f- what was being mocked as the helmet situation, the frostbite situation. I think you've really seen him just be super unstable. Were you surprised based on what you saw out of him in his Steelers tenure? Were you surprised that he took so it to this depth? You would hear whispers out of like Steelers, like Pittsburgh media, that Antonio Brown had kind of morphed into a diva. And that was probably after he signed his first big extension around 2010. They, his teammates will say, and you've heard more of this recently, his former teammates have come out and said, after he got his big money, he turned into a diva. He was a hardworking guy, six-round pick out of Central Michigan, and he always worked hard, which was kind of why I think he got away with a lot of his behavior was because he worked hard and he was the best receiver in the NFL for that period. But to see uh, what's this turned into, I was more surprised, honestly, that the Patriots even took a chance on him because I don't think they would take on that kind of character. But, you know, I hope to see him play again because he is that talented, and I think I think we will see him play again. Hopefully he gets some help, though. But overall, your Steelers got a third and fifth round pick basically for nothing because he didn't play a down with the Raiders. Yeah, so yeah. pretty pretty solid deal for them. Uh, but thank you for your fantasy hits. We'll talk more later. Uh, sleepers and duds. But now let's go into our Big Blue segment of the show. Daniel Jones last week ekes out an impressive win for the Giants against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before we talk about our opinions on that game, we want to hear Brianna Leverty, our Giants beat reporters, take on the team going into this week's uh, matchup against the Redskins. What a week of high highs and low lows for Giants fans. Last Sunday against the Buccaneers definitely started out on a note of uncertainty regarding how rookie Daniel Jones would play, but quickly turned into arguably one of the best rookie debuts in Giants history. He threw for over 300 yards, completed 23 of 36 pass attempts, and rushed for two touchdowns, including the game-winning score. Exciting win, exciting finish there for us. Um, you know, I thought we showed, we showed a lot of fight and we, you know, battled back. Jones' energy and charisma seemed to extend throughout the entire team, Though they still have a long way to go, the defense recorded four sacks and their first interception of the season. But the success the G-men were having was overshadowed by the loss of Saquon Barkley. It was a Giants fan's worst nightmare. The superstar running back suffered a high ankle sprain and will be out for at least several weeks. So now, the biggest question of them all is whether Jones' first game was a fluke or if he'll continue to step up and consistently perform with the same confidence, strength, and accuracy from last week. If he can, then Giants fans furious over Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer's draft pick in April could be eating their words and booze for the rest of Jones' career. Regardless, Giants fans should be extremely happy with the level of play that they've seen Daniel Jones is capable of competing at. And this Sunday, for DJ's home debut, I expect him to put on a display very similar to that of last week's. 
Big Blue's easy schedule continues with a matchup against the Washington Redskins, who are dealing with their own inner turmoil as QB Case Keenum works through a minor foot injury. So, coming off an invigorating win last week, I have the Giants beating the Redskins, 28-14. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. So I want to get Artemis' take here first because I know she's a huge Giants fan. And correct me if I'm wrong, you wanted Eli Manning to start last week against Tampa Bay. I did. Well, So how are you feeling about that now after Daniel Jones comes out, puts on a performance, 336 yards, two touchdowns, and clearly I know the defense is horrible, but I guess we can all agree now that Eli Manning was probably a little bit of that problem. I do think he was a little bit of the problem. I don't think he was the entire problem because obviously the defense is non-existent. My only thing, I, I after last week especially, I love Daniel Jones. I think he's definitely the future of the team. My only problem, the reason I wanted Eli to start last week was because I think it's a complete waste if you have him come in for two games and now he's not going to play the rest of the season. I think either he should have like retired or... It hurts me to say this, but been traded and maybe we could have gotten something out of him or anything like that. But I just think two weeks playing him and then just sitting him for the rest of the year. I don't know. It seems like at least a little of a waste of two games. I kind of see eye to eye there because, look, we all knew it was a bad move going into the season. If it was a successful season for the Giants, Daniel Jones probably played some role in it made some strides, and the Giants were able to win some games with Daniel Jones, see his development. It was a bad move in the first place to bring Eli back, and now you're basically eating that money. So I think whether you want him to start or not, like it was a financially and otherwise unsound move to bring Eli Manning back. He's getting paid, I think, more than Tom Brady this season. To sit on the bench now. <laughs> to just to sit. But overall, I, I, I actually agree with you there. There's no re- There was actually no reason to bring him back. Um, the only thing that I, I will disagree with E-Man. I thought that if the Giants were going to be successful this year, I thought it would be with Eli Manning as their quarterback. And then once he starts to falter, then you bring in Daniel Jones, and then they would have looked even worse. But then again, what's the direction of your franchise if you go in that way? What, you win eight, nine games with Eli Manning, but again, he's a quarterback with a couple of years left at max. You're probably not going anywhere. Even if you get into the playoffs, you're not going anywhere. And then you have your franchise quarterback waiting in the wings with like really no supporting cast to deal with. So it was just a confusing time for the Giants this year, and it, it really didn't benefit them to bring Eli Manning back, especially in a two-game capacity. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that especially since they had Daniel Jones starting in the third game of the year, just have him start from the beginning because, like you said, it's not going to be a winning season. As much as I want it to be, as much as other Giants fans want it to be, and as great as I think Daniel Jones and is is I don't think he'll bring us to the playoffs this year. But And I, I, I guess with Eli on the sideline, maybe uh, Daniel Jones will have some type of mentor in him. Oh, for sure. Um, Definitely. Y- you know, depending on on if Eli Manning wants to do that or if he wants to be traded. We'll, and he we'll wants to do that. They've I don't seemed think he wants very to be traded either, though. Tight-knit at practice. Uh, they've seen very uh, embracing of one another during the games. He definitely wants to play a role and, and accept that role that he's been given, even though he's unhappy with it. He's just a very overpaid mentor. That's what it comes down <laughs> yeah. to. You're paying him a lot of money to do something that another quarterback who's a vet who's been around the league could easily do just as well. But they're almost like clones of one another. Daniel Jones is very similar in his makeup to Eli Manning. Seems like he looks like an Eli Manning just from his heyday. So 
it could be very beneficial to have Eli there. It just isn't financially sound whatsoever. Well, some I know you you said yourself as a Giants fan that you don't think that this will be a, a successful season or a season where they make the playoffs, and that's definitely not because of the offense. I want to shift a little bit to the defense. I mean, that defense looked absolutely atrocious for a third consecutive week. They're lucky that Matt Gay missed that field goal. Oh, uh, really? In the last seconds. Otherwise, they'd be in 0-3 right now. And Daniel Jones' performance, right in the garbage. Now, here's an interesting point. If he hits the field goal, the defense is exposed for what was another lackluster effort. I understand the second half was better, but it was still a lackluster effort. You're allowing 30-plus points. They lose the game. Daniel Jones' performance gets somewhat overshadowed. Like, is Daniel Jones' story if that field goal goes hell, through the uprights? Hell no. No way. I don't think we're talking about the next franchise quarterback or, oh, lo and behold, the Giants are – steamrolling towards the playoffs. Like, I, I think the narrative is completely different. All it took was a miss on the field goal. It's pretty insane, to, th- to be honest with you. No, yeah, and, and it's definitely very sad that it came down to that. It actually reminded me of a Giants game against Carolina either two or maybe three years two ago. Two years ago. Yeah, where it was, I'm pretty sure the score was 33-33, and Carolina made that field goal and ended up winning the game with, what was it, like two seconds left? I think twice that year. Jake Elliott hit a 60-something yarder, and uh, Graham Gano on the Panthers hit like a 57-yarder, both walk-off wins. And Eli Manning actually played somewhat well to bring the team down the field and either tie or take the lead by like one or two points. And then just like that, the defense led up massive plays to Cam Newton and Carson Wentz, and then their kickers made really long field goals. But then the field goal on su- on Sunday was not long at all. It was like a 36-yarder. He just completely muffed. It wasn't that much further than an extra point. It was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. They took the delay of game because they wanted to set him up better. It would have been like 29 yards, took the delay of game. Oh, it's a chip shot. And I'm like, okay, Giants are toast. They're done. They're not, they're not going to be – having a win on their tally for another week, even with the change of quarterback, it's going to be same old, same old. They lose on a field goal, then he misses from 34, 35 yards. Come on now. Think about this. Jameis Winston, of all people, had 355 passing yards, and the Giants gave the Buccaneers 499 total yards in the game. By the way, how bad is he? Did you see that uh, pass where he got picked off over the middle? He literally threw the ball like he was a six-year-old learning how to throw a spiral. He he was he made like a half throw and got picked off. So if that guy can go 355 on you, the defense is still a glaring issue with the Giants. No, the defense has been an issue with the Giants for the past few years. And going back to something we had said before, well, something you had said before, is that you're right. If that field goal had gone through, the talk of the week would have once again been the defense. Like, they shouldn't have let it get to this spot. There might have been something on Daniel Jones, kind of like, oh, you know, he did lead, he did lead like a pretty good, I think he got 18 points in the second half. Um, and a lot of those were by himself because he ran it in for two touchdowns. But ultimately, it's the defense that's losing the games this year. Because they cannot hold anyone. It, it is. It is a defense losing the games. And you look at what Daniel Jones did. We're not taking anything away from that. It was right, a, right. It's a brilliant performance. And it probably should be the story whether the field goal goes through or not. It's just the narrative changes because not only does Daniel Jones lead this team in the second half, lead them back from a big deficit, but they win a game that for the last three years with their remarkably bad seasons, they would lose that game. They would lose on a 60-yard field goal or a 50-yard field goal. So it was almost a tide turner in a sense, more than Daniel Jones, like a franchise turner. That's what it felt like. Another um, aspect of that game that Giants fans probably haven't necessarily thought about as much, 
because they've been loving the way Daniel Jones played uh, that game and the way that uh, the team rallied around him. But that win bought Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer a little bit of breathing room in terms of the hot seat. Because if they lose that game and, again, expose how bad the defense is, regardless how good Daniel Jones played, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman would have to answer the questions of, why were you outcoached again and why have you not addressed your defense, considering it just looks putrid. We all know that Dave Gettleman's tenure now is completely dependent on the performance of Daniel Jones because it is a little bit bothersome, right? These guys have had no direction for the franchise. They flip-flopped their stance on Eli Manning multiple times in the last couple years. They flip-flopped their stance on Odell Beckham Jr. They really haven't known where they're taking this team and this organization. And now it's almost like, oh, look at us. We drafted Daniel Jones. Like, look, we're right. we're in the right spot. So it is a little bit bothersome, even if you're a Giants fan, that they get their moment in the sun. So we'll see how it goes. But literally, Dan, uh, Daniel Jones and how he performs is how Dave Gettleman's tenure is going to go and whether he's going to be long for New York. Yeah, I mean, if the last game was a fluke and Daniel Jones doesn't do anything impressive this week, it's, it's going to be a question on if – if Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer should even have their jobs anymore. And keep in mind, Sam Darnold had a great debut too. <laughs> like there's, there's another young quarterback in this town who has had his ups and downs in his young career and had a brilliant week one of his career. Even after that pick six to start his career. First throw of his career. First throw of his career. Bounced back resiliently, led his team to victory, dominated the Lions in their house, and everyone was like, oh, we got a franchise quarterback. Let's let's hold on for a second because Daniel Jones is going to have some bad weeks this year. It's inevitable for a rookie quarterback. I still think that Sam Darnold is the is the future of the Jets, although um, he's been out with mono. And then Too I'll, much talent And then, there. of course, last year was a little inconsistent. But overall, let's put the, the Tampa Bay game to bed and let's look forward. Uh, we'll give our pr- official predictions for the Washington game in our pick'em segment. But overall, going towards the future of the season – um, again, as Brianna mentioned, as we all saw, Saquon Barkley possibly out until maybe week 11. Week 11 is their bye, so week 12. So they're going to be entering next week as with Wayne Gallman as their starting running back. Um, Evan Ingram, who uh, had a really good game against Tampa Bay last week, um, will continue to get a, a lot of good looks. Golden Tate will come back from suspension next week. So they have a bunch of positives as well as that one negative with Saquon Barkley. The Saquon Barkley news kind of does put a little bit more pressure on Daniel Jones, though. Now he doesn't have that default if he's ever struggling in a game for his rookie season. You always need those safety nets to kind of go alongside your quarterback. And and now all the attention is on Daniel Jones. And it would have been anyway with how he performed. But with Saquon Barkley out, he doesn't have that default. He doesn't have that register to go to. So... It is bigger news, I think, than it's being let on because not only are you without one of the best running backs in football, but now you don't have an Eli Manning who's been there, done that. You have a rookie quarterback with almost no supporting cast, no defense to go the rest of the way. I'm hopeful that the people who are going to be playing with Daniel Jones now are actually going to come out and hopefully produce. I mean, they're all... Not saying that Wayne Gallman or Evan Engram are new, but I think that they'll be able to take the weight a little bit and I think they'll be able to do their part and help Daniel Jones and while it definitely would have been an asset to have had Saquon Barkley we're not at a point that that's a possibility so I think that the Giants are just going to have to learn how to play without him and hopefully still produce a decent season last week there was a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones to produce but this week an immensely 
bigger amount of pressure on him considering the week he had last week, and it's against an easier opponent. Now it's the microscope on him, and he's been able to answer almost every test so far. Looked great in the preseason. He said all the right things. He's dealt well with Eli Manning. He had a great debut. So if he can deal with this spotlight, we know he's a guy for New York. I know he's going to have growing pains. Another checkbox after this, how he plays this week, will be how he responds to that first bit of adversity because there is going to be some adversity coming up. Quickly, quickly, before we go over to John for another fantasy hit, uh, we talked about this before the show. I want to bring it on air about the Washington Redskins. Case Keenum is hurt right now with a foot injury. He probably will end up playing. But if you're Washington, after looking at what Daniel Jones did last week, why are you not starting Dwayne Haskins? It's a lost year for Washington, too. So Jay Gruden's coaching for his job. You, yeah. need, a, you need a spark plug. You need a spark plug. If you're Jay Gruden, it's a no-brainer. If you're Washington, it's a no-brainer. you got to see what you got. You, you have to. That's really what it comes down to. In any rebuilding year, in any lost season, you got to have some silver lining. And in football, that just always happens to be the quarterback position because you're not going to win without some level of competency there. So you got to insert the rookie and make it happen. As a Giants fan, I don't want Haskins to come in, but if we're going with what's best for the Redskins, I do think that they should put him in. And if they did put him in, it would be a Haskins versus Jones type of thing, especially because a lot of Giants fans wanted the Giants to pick up Haskins. It's definitely going to be a kind of both of them are going to be looked at through a microscope, like who's better. It would bring a lot of attention to a pretty meaningless game, in my opinion. It would. Now, there's no indication that he's going to start. No. No. Yeah, but it would be a very, very juicy matchup if Haskins went up against Daniel Jones. That would be very intriguing to watch, aside from just watching Daniel Jones and what he'll achieve, seeing Haskins on the opposite end. So that'll do it for our Giants segment. Let's go to John for our guys in fantasy who we think you should not start in your lineups this week. John? Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. If we've learned anything about Baker Mayfield in 2019, it's that he's most productive when he gets the ball out quickly. He will have a difficult time doing that this week against the Baltimore defense that has the fourth highest pressure rate this season. Don't totally give up on Baker just yet. Just keep him on your bench for this week. Frank Gore is getting steady work in Buffalo's backfield and is coming off two consecutive 16-point performances. But with Devin Singletary returning from injury, and a matchup with a New England defense allowing just 2.24 yards per carry, the lowest mark in the league, you're better off with Gore on your bench. Stephon Diggs has been one of fantasy's biggest disappointments this season, but it's not totally his fault. Minnesota has favored a ground-heavy attack to keep the ball out of the air as much as possible. Look for the Vikings to employ that strategy this weekend in Chicago, where Diggs will only see regular targets if his team is down big. And those are some guys to leave on your bench for this week. Thank you, John, for that hit. And now let's go to our gangrene segment and talk about the dumpster fire in New York Jets. And thankfully for all Jets fans and for the team itself, they have a bye this week, so we'll keep this segment a little lighter in terms of content because there's nothing really going thankfully. on with the Jets. Yeah, I mean... Thank, thank God that they're not playing this week. You can only complain so much. <laughs> Nothing has gone right. So, yeah, let's keep this short. Let's get it out of the way. Last week was arguably the shortest Jets we've ever done because, look, how are they going to put up anything against the Patriots is what they have. I delved into it a little more on my Jets report, so let's get it uh, and talk about the New York Jets this week.
It's week four in the NFL, and the New York Jets have finally had something go their way. The bye week. Gang Green can't take the field on Sunday and lose yet another game as they rest up and get ready for a road matchup against the 2-2 two two Philadelphia Eagles next week. However, their game last week went as expected. The Jets ran onto the field in Foxborough against the defending Super Bowl champs without their starting quarterback, best wide receiver, highest paid defensive player, and number three overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. Tom Brady and the Pats picked them apart on defense, and Luke Falk couldn't get anything going on offense, as New England easily won 30-14. I shouldn't forget to mention that Tremaine Johnson, who was making upwards of $70 million, was once again benched by head coach Adam Gase for poor play. Over the course of the team's 0-3 start, the Jets have been historically bad. They've only scored one offensive touchdown in three games, which marks the first time in franchise history that they've only had one touchdown from scrimmage in that time period. As for the QB situation, the Jets also became only the sixth team in the Super Bowl era to use three different starting quarterbacks in the first three games. To add insult to injury, the O-line is ranked 29th in sacks allowed and have given up 22 negative plays this season. Injuries and poor performance from the players aside, Gase also has to be better himself. His play calling has been subpar, and he needs to step up and be a leader, rather than pawning the team's issues onto others. It's unknown whether certain players like Darnold will be ready after the bye. Regardless, with no opponent to focus on this weekend, the Jets need to get the bad air out of one Jets drive fast and prepare to play their hearts out on October 5th in oh, Philadelphia. Really Otherwise, I, the losses I'm, will continue to pile up, and this, this team will instead uh, have to start focusing on who will be on their draft boards come April. Covering the... I'm Charlie Massano, WFUV Sports. And get this ship... Uh, in the right track. And Darnold had that quote that they're going to go on a nice little run here and it'll be fun to watch at that point. It might be too late. <laughs> like like you've already dug yourselves a hole. Well, by the time he's back, I'm not sure if there's going to be any time to turn this thing around. Le'Veon Bell, it's almost remarkable what he's been able to do considering he has no offensive line to run behind and just no surrounding pieces. He was silent somewhat against New England, but he's been remarkable for the Jets so far this year. It's almost like the team doesn't deserve him. Do you think that Sam Darnold is the key to the team? Like he comes back and they'll they'll be good or great? He's one of the main pieces, but he I don't think he's the key. I think the key for this team is CJ Mosley based on the way they played week 1 before he went down. They had four turnovers against Buffalo and then he goes down and the defense for some reason just doesn't know how to play football anymore. They collapsed. Like they were a good defense when he was on the field and then they were like a non-NFL caliber defense without him on the field. They couldn't stop a lick. Yeah, the defense is a problem in its own, but you look at the offense week one, it wasn't that creative. Gase still needs to be challenged. Yep. Gase still needs to call better plays. But at least with Sam Darnold, the opportunity exists to call those plays. Without Sam Darnold, they can't do anything creative. Can't do anything with Luke Falk. <laughs> Luke Falk, you're lucky if you could complete a couple five-yard outs and then you're like, yay, we didn't turn the ball over. At least with Sam Darnold, we can complain about Adam Gase not calling these plays. Right now, I really can't complain about it too much because they don't have any personnel to deal with. Yeah, why are you going to waste your your good plays and expose it on tape when you don't have your number one guy exactly. there in the lineup? It, it, there's no complaint to be had right now with what they're doing with Luke Falk because he's Luke Falk. Regardless of the fact that they don't have Sam Darnold, they don't, he doesn't want to use good plays for, for tape for tape purposes, purposes Excuse me for later in the season— He's got to do something better. I mean, 
they're literally just checking down to Le'Veon Bell every freaking play. Oh, it's awful. It's really awful. And week one wasn't great either. They weren't doing anything creative with Sam Darnold. And the one play they did throw deep late in the game, Sam Darnold overthrew the football, and it would have been a he go-ahead touchdown. He missed Robbie touchdown. Anderson twice on that drive. He, he did, but he needs more exposure to those type of plays in-game if he's going to become consistent and showcase the arm we know he has. You can't be taking a shot two times in a game, let alone the one or zero times he's been doing it the last couple games. So some of this has to fall on Adam Gase, but I'm going to wait for my full judgment until Sam Darnold is back and hopefully opens up a playbook because otherwise it's going to be a miserable season. The the team just is not good enough right now. Is there a timeline on when Sam Darnold will be back? Like, will he be back next week or is that not known yet? They are hoping he's back next week, but for people like non-athletes who have mono have said that it takes probably like one or two months for you to get back to normal. I mean, the, the illness is not like that, that, contagious or that um pressing after like the first couple of weeks but your spleen is is uh inflated so if he gets if he gets tackled or sacked um and his and his spleen is still inflated it can burst and he could literally die he could literally die yeah yeah. so it's a very serious matter and you're not going to rush him back no matter what because it's literally life or death if you put him out on the field so you know hopefully he's ready to go Hopefully they can just reset after the bye. It's been three disastrous weeks, and you can chalk that up to, okay, Donald was out. Mosley was out. We had all these different injuries that caused us to be 0-3. That could be the narrative if he returns next week, but I'm not just, I'm just not sure he's going to be ready to be full force next week. And regardless of how bad the season will turn out or whether their record is whatever it'll be, that, that week one loss to Buffalo will probably sting for the entire year considering they were up by 16 points midway through the third quarter, and they just flat out blew it. And you knew it. You were deflated walking out of that stadium because you knew the schedule that was coming up. The Darnold news and every other piece of injury news made matters worse, but you knew blowing that game and not being able to hold on to a lead in typical Jets fashion meant worse things because you knew the schedule wasn't getting any easier from there. So if let's say Darnold does come back. You look back at week one, you could have had that game. You could have been at least one, one and, and two, two. And your season would very much still be alive with Darnold entering the lineup again. Now you're 0-3. Who knows if it's salvageable? It would be bleak uh, going into the bye week if they were 1-2. But look at the Giants. They're 1-2. and two. Daniel Jones put on a performance last week for the ages. And there's a lot of optimism in that in that cl- uh, locker room. I would have been happy with 1-2. For and the two. Jets, if, if they went into the bye 1-2, and two, there would be still be a little optimism. Hey, we can get something going after after the bye, and we'll we'll write this shit. But now, next week against at Philadelphia, home against Dallas, and then Monday Night Football against the Patriots, they could easily be zero and six by and, that. Point. And with that schedule and an zero and three record, those holes are so tough to overcome in football. You got to go ten and three if you want to be a playoff team. And you're starting with the schedule you just mentioned. It's really close to impossible, especially if you're not getting Donald back right off the bat. Well, that'll really do it for this Jet segment. What more can we say? This team is a disaster right now. They're resting up and getting ready for Philly. Uh, my favorite segment of the show is up next, the Pick'em, but one more fantasy hit with John. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. With Cam Newton still sidelines with a foot injury, Kyle Allen will get the chance to replicate last week's four-touchdown performance against the Houston defense allowing the six most fantasy points to quarterbacks. You could do worse than Allen as a last-minute starter or if you missed out on Daniel Jones. 
James Devlin is sidelined with a neck injury, and the next man up for the Patriots is Rex Burkhead, the versatile back that should now see a more active role in the New England passing game and in red zone situations. The Patriots tend to be matchup proof, so if Burkhead is in the game plan against Buffalo, he should put up a solid day. Another player that stands to see more action because of an injury to a teammate is Randall Cobb. The Cowboys will be without Michael Gallup for another week, meaning Cobb can take advantage of a Saints defense that yields the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. And those are some sleepers that could put you over the edge this week. Love that emphatic music in the background. It's awesome. It's so suspenseful. It's so amazing. You know, it gets me going. You know what gets me going? Take a guess. This week's NFL picks. (laughs) There you go. All right, we'll go right off the bat with Giants and Redskins. Artemis is Giants coming off that impressive win in Tampa Bay. And Washington is 0-3 after losing to the Bears. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants. I think Daniel Jones has another good week. And they're home, so you got to give it to uh, you. Got to give them the edge. There's going to be a lot of optimism surrounding the Giants because they're going to win this week. They're going to be two and two. They may not make a run here, but it's Giants this week. Yeah, I'll go with the Giants too. That home crowd is going to be energized, and hopefully, we'll get to see a little Haskins in the second half. It makes me happy that everyone's saying Giants because last year, whenever I was on, it was always against the Giants, and I was always the one person who was like, "Yes, the Giants are going to win this week," and I was always wrong. But um, obviously, I'm going to go with the Giants, partly because I'm a fan and partly because I think that they're actually going to win. Detroit versus Kansas City. Detroit coming off an impressive win against the Eagles. Kansas City beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, Detroit's been looking good, but I think Kansas City uh, goes in into uh, Loud City or whatever it's called and uh, gives them a reality check. He mentioned Detroit partially undefeated. They have the one tie. They're no match for KC, though. I like the Chiefs. I actually like Detroit in this one. Look for them to win the line of scrimmage. KC's not going to go undefeated. I actually think this is a pretty tough road matchup for them, and Detroit might surprise some people. I actually disagree with that. I do think Kansas City is at least going to end week four undefeated. I, I've got them. The 1-2 and two Falcons against the 1-2 and two Titans. The Titans, after the very impressive win against the Browns in week one, have faltered over the last two weeks. And Atlanta faltered after beating Philly in Week 2. It's a tough matchup, but I'm going to go with the better of two evils and pick the uh, Falcons. Falcons are so frustrating. You can't really figure them out, but I- I'm going I'm going along your lines, Charlie. I'm going Falcons. Yeah, I don't have any excuses for the Falcons, but they're just so banged up on both sides of the ball. But Matt Ryan looked really good last week, the best I've seen him in a while. So I think that's going to be enough to get past the Titans. I believe the Falcons are home as well, so I'm going to take them for this one. Clean sweep there. Baltimore versus Cleveland. AFC North matchup. Cleveland needs a win to stay in the hunt for that division, especially with the Steelers being so bad and the, and the Bengals being so bad. But uh, I got to go with the, with the Ravens on this one. Ravens are more explosive. Cleveland's overrated. Give me Baltimore. Yeah, I'll take Baltimore too. I will too. I completely agree. I do think Cleveland's overrated. Indianapolis versus Oakland. Indies look good with Jacoby Brissett. Last week, Derek Carr pooped the bed against the Vikings. Um, I'll go with Jacoby Brissett and and the Colts, although T.Y. Hilton might not play on Sunday. That could be big, T.Y. Hilton, but I'm sticking with my AFC South pick. I'm sticking with Indianapolis. I like that pick as well. I really like the spirit of this Colts team. They really believe in each other. They play hard. That'll be enough to get by John Gruden's Raiders. 
Even if they don't play T.Y. Hilton, if he's unable to play, I do think the Colts are still going to band together and beat the Raiders. Very interesting matchup next. AFC East matchup of three, two 3-0 teams. The surprising Buffalo Bills against the defending Super Bowl champion Patriots. Buffalo is home. Keep that in mind, by That's the way. That's why I'm saying it. And I'm going to go with the upset here and say Buffalo. I wanted to be the only one to pick this upset because I like what the Bills are doing. The Patriots always have one rude awakening in Buffalo per year. Bills stay undefeated. Give me Buffalo. Oh, man. So <laughs> I took a look at this. The last time, the like you said, E-Man, the Bills kind of had their way with the Patriots every now and then. But the last time they really played in a game with that matter, where the Bills had some expectation, was 2011 with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was the last time a good, good Bills team beat the Pats. That's not going to happen this time. Pats, I think, win big. I, I agree with that. I want the Bills to win. I really want the Patriots to fall to the Bills, but I ultimately don't think it's going to happen. Even with the Bills at home, I'm going to go with the Pats. Hey, in order to win this at the end of the season, you got to pick some some upsets, and this is this. me and Ian are going with the upset here. Yeah, and me and Charlie are head and head right now. There's like a one-game separation. I'm 29-15-1, so. and 15 and, one, and you're 30-14-1. and one, A so. one-game separation. Got to make some outlandish picks here. We're neck and neck. Houston and Carolina. Carolina looked good with Kyle Allen. Houston uh, snuck by against the Chargers in L.A. Uh, another tough matchup. Jeez, I'm going to go with Houston on this one. I'm going Houston as well. Charlie, don't mean to copy you every pick here, but I like Houston more than I like Carolina. Yeah, I like Houston as well. I feel like they put it together a little more every week, given that on both sides of the ball, they brought in a lot of new players right before the season started. This is actually the one that was giving me troubles when I was trying to think of who I was going to go with. I really had no clue. Um, but throughout this whole show, I've been leaning more towards the Texans, so I'm going to go with the Texans. Clean sweep coming up. Oh, I mean, I don't even think we have to go around. Miami versus the Chargers, easily. LA Chargers. Agreed? No objections. Yeah. Someone right. better have a good justification Chargers. otherwise. Another LA team, the Rams against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that seems like it should be another easy pick. I'm going to go with the Rams. 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 Arizona versus Seattle. Seattle lost last week, and so did Arizona. Um, but Seattle with Russell Wilson is the, the better pick to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I'm going Russell Wilson as well. Give me Seattle. I like Kyler Murray to get his first win as well wow. at home. Wow. Well, I really liked Russell Wilson last week. Even though they lost, he... He played a great game, and I do have him on my fantasy team. He gave me some serious points. I'm going to hope that happens again this week, so I'm going with Seattle. Big NFC North matchup between the 2-1 Bears and the 2-1 Vikings. Um, the Bears look good. Mitchell Trubisky was all right. They're home as well. I'm going to go with the Bears. I think Trubisky's too shaky. I love the Bears' defense, especially what they did for me in fantasy that week, winning me a matchup single-handedly with a defense. I like Minnesota, though. I think they're more well-rounded. That's our uh, objection there. That's our one game that's all. So we'll see if we turn this week. We'll yeah. see if that one game deficit's made up. This quarterback matchup really makes me cringe. I don't <laughs> trust either of these quarterbacks. I especially don't trust Kirk Cousins on the road. But this Minnesota roster is really, really good, and I think that could give them the edge, even though they're on the road. I'm going to go with the Bears purely because of the fact, uh, like it was mentioned, their defense last week, incredible. So I'm going to... I'm going to hope that they could keep that up this week, and I'm going to go with the Bears. The Denver Broncos are down in the dumps, 0-3 against the 1-2 Jaguars. Gardner Minshew last week put on a show against Tennessee. I'm going to go with Denver, though, on the upset. Even though they're home, um, they, they really need a win, and I think this is the game that they have to win. We're going to differ here, too. I don't like Denver. Let's go Jacksonville. 
Denver's really, really bad. They're I'm actually surprised they're as bad as they are. I thought they could surprise some people this year, but I'm going to take Jacksonville at mile high. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to go with Denver, actually. Even though they they haven't won a game, I, I do think that they could pull it out this week. The Drew Locke era needs to uh, start at some point this season right. for Denver. Overall, let's go now to the Sunday night matchup. New Orleans without Drew Brees against the 3-0 Cowboys. The Cowboys have looked really good this season. Uh, they're riding some big momentum with uh, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper playing well, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys. The Superdome's the Superdome, but you got to give me some sort of sign you're going to <laughs> at least put up a fight here. I like the way Dallas has been rolling. I'm going with the Cowboys. I'm going with the Saints here because of that home field advantage, and I think Dallas is good, but we haven't really seen them truly be tested yet. I think this could be their first real true test of the season, so I'll go with the Saints. I'm also going with the Saints against a decent team. I think the Cowboys are going to crumble, so give me the Saints all the way. This could be one of the worst Monday Night Football games of the year Ugh. until I saw later in the season Miami actually has a Monday Night game. So yeah, Can we Pittsburgh. cancel this Monday Night game? <laughs> I wish we could, but it is what it is. 0-3 <laughs> Steelers, 0-3 Bengals. Oh, man. John, I know, is probably going to go with his team here. It is lesser of two uh, evils uh, at the max. I don't max. know about that, Charlie. I don't know. <laughs> um... No AJ Green still. Joe Mixon's on my fantasy team. Hell, give me the give me the Bengals. Pittsburgh, and that's just me flipping a coin. I'm going with Cincinnati. The Steelers team is worse than people even think. I don't even want to pick, but I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Just I just think it's gonna be a bad game. Hey, if John is a Steelers fan and he's going against his team, I think I like my chances this week with the Bengals. But you that'll should. that'll do it for this week's edition of NFL Friday. I'm your host, Charlie Masano, alongside E-Man, Emmanuel Barbari, Artemis Sigaris, John DeBarra with the Fantasy Hits, Jackson Heil, and Dominic Capone producing in the back. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy a football weekend, and one-on-one, uh, one-on-one's NFL Friday is a production of WFV Sports. Have a good weekend.